0: you back that slide up just a couple of places there brother and we'll finish up Daniel chapter seven today let's take our Bibles let's go to Daniel chapter seven I put a uh, breath mint in my mouth and it's yet to dissolve so if I spit it out you'll know what happened okay Uh, yeah it's one of those things so Daniel chapter seven there we go. The last, uh, the last time that we were together, we began to take a look at uh, these four beasts that came into place. And uh, the more I study the book of Daniel, it, it brings something to light that I think everyone should know about. Number one, you, if we don't understand history, we will never understand eschatology. How many of you have ever heard the term, those that fail to read or study or learn from history are doomed to repeat the lessons of history? Well, we see that over and again. Uh, In fact, many times America has been likened unto the Roman Empire, the rise and the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, Out of obscurity, the United States came into place. And one of the things that happened with Rome that uh, began to cause their, its own destruction and everything, was Rome had collapsed upon itself, worried about all the people and their feelings and their rights and things of this nature. And though they didn't care about other nations, and, you know, the nations that they conquered per se, they did turn around and uh, they tried to appease the masses of their own civilization, and it never did work. But the reality is, is that the vision that Daniel saw is the one that really is perplexing to him. Let's go down to verse 9 of Daniel chapter 7. We'll pick up from there. We'll read down to verse 14. And uh, we'll, we'll comment on every bit of this as we go. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did set, whose garment was white as snow, and his hair of his heads were like pure wool. His throne was like fiery, like the flaming fire, or the fiery flame, and his wills as burning fire. A loose stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words, which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed, and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds from heaven, and came to the ancient of days. And they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion, and glory, and kingdom. And all people, nations, and languages should serve him as dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away and his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Father, I want to thank you for your blessings, and I pray that you will help us now to understand the things that are given from your word. Lord, while we read the word, there is still a responsibility for us to understand the things that are given. And Lord, while I believe in the closeness of Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 8 and so on and so forth, Lord, we also need to have a greater understanding of the things that you have in store for us. Now, Lord, I pray that you will guide us and that you will bless. Help us, dear Father, to understand the things that Daniel wrote in the, the prophecies that he uh, was shown from the very beginning. And help us, dear Father, to understand the things that you have for us to learn even in this day. So guide us, dear Father, and bless and keep us now, for in Christ we pray. And amen. The reality is we uh, take a look at this, I want you to understand the last thing that we studied was really the people moving away from the, the flood area which would be uh, the mountains of Mount Ararat, and moving down towards Persia. And quite literally, what they call the Fertile Crescent, which is all the way from Israel going north up into what we now refer to as Lebanon, or and, you know the Bible speaks of Laban, and uh, Mount Heron and things like that, all the way down to Persia. All of that is the upside-down Fertile Crescent. And so there was many populations that, that began to live in that particular area. Well, the reality is, when we take a look at Daniel chapter 7, we see an escalation of this area. Now there are four beasts. And matter of fact, here's the thing: it's really amazing to me. When Daniel was shown these things, there were three major powers that were already in place. You had Babylon, which was a massive power. In fact, uh, at first everyone kind of laughed at. Uh, at Nebuchadnezzar and his threats and things like that, but then when he showed himself to be powerful and taking over Egypt and taking over all these other smaller countries, then people took note that this was a powerful king, and it was during his reign that other kingdoms began to rise up. Now understand this, Babylon never did cease. Babylon never did cease. It's still in existence today. It may be in a lesser form, but it is still there. Uh, I wish that I had taken some of the slides, and maybe later on I'll show this to you. But during the days of Saddam Hussein, one of the things he would do is he would have Nebuchadnezzar's image behind him, and in front of him was imposed Saddam Hussein's image. And the reality is is that he wanted everyone to think that he was the reincarnate Nebuchadnezzar. And so for this reason Babylon, had they had already started the reconstruction and rebuilding the city of Babylon. This falls into line with what must happen, you know, in the book of Revelation when it speaks of the things that are about to happen there as well. A friend of mine uh, who was with the FBI, actually had to go there. He said, you could go in and still tour what's going on around Babylon, around old Nineveh and things like that. And he said, but the evil around Babylon, he said, you walk through the gate and you can feel the evil. Now that's hard for us to imagine that there would be that much evil in one particular area. Uh, in fact, one of the things that we oftentimes are amazed at is the the some of the Uh, the scientific breakthroughs that occurred during Babylon, the hanging gardens and things like that. And yet, uh, these were all put into place to show people God's mercies upon Babylon, and yet, it became a capital that uh, they would, uh, well, we can go into so many different things, that they were of great power. The second one we see is like a bear. And we're going to be seeing this as we go through uh, Daniel Uh, Chapter Seven. We see that the bear rose up, and if you notice, it had three ribs in its mouth. Now, the three ribs that it that it would represent would be the Mede Persians as well as the Babylonian Empire. They never did wipe out Babylon completely, but the reality is they allowed it to be like a city state. They paid tribute they made sure that there was money that was going to go back into the coffers it was during this time that you begin to see that daniel is writing daniel chapter 7 let's go down to verse 1 of daniel chapter 7 in the first year of belshazzar now how many of you know that Let's go back and let's see if we can find this. Go to chapter 5 of the book of Daniel, and we begin to see Belshazzar again as he comes into this power. Now notice, Belshazzar followed after Nebuchadnezzar. So after Nebuchadnezzar passed away, down the line came Belshazzar. So Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand. Whose his wives and his concubines, concubines might drink therein. So here comes Belshazzar. He, he is really someone who does not have the, the power or the abilities that uh, his grandfather or his father had, Nebuchadnezzar, and yet he thought himself something of glory. And it was because of this incident that we know about Tiki Tiki uh, or Mini Mini Tekel which means that he was now going to be tested, he was now going to be tried, he was now going to die, and reality is is, uh, the end of Babylon as we know it, that great power would cease to exist. And so that night they had the damming of the Euphrates River which flowed through Babylon and they were able to get under the gate of Babylon and the whole army came in and quite literally wiped out Babylon for its kingship. Now, this was the time frame in which Daniel began to see the things that were going on. Now understand this. Here's the thing that's really amazing to me. Go to chapter 6. In chapter 6, notice that the one king that, that came into place who was of the Mede Persians was Darius. Now notice what Darius And it pleased Darius to set over a kingdom hundred and twenty princes which should be over the whole kingdom. Now, understand at this particular time Daniel was known for his wisdom he was known for his ability but everything that I have found is that Daniel only lived about a year into the Mede-Persian empire that, that empire that we see at number two. And so when we find that he is thrown into the lion's den, if you will, this is giving us a little bit of an indication that he was an old man. He was in the latter parts of his life, and yet he had a complete confidence in God, he had a complete confidence in the Lord, and this was an amazing thing that I look at as well. Well, reality is, and again I want you to see this, the most of the history that Daniel recorded during the days of Belshazzar, Everybody with me now? So when we take a look at this, it was during the number one scene where we see all this history that's being written. We put more credence on someone. Uh, Remember Jean Dixon? And if you ever go back and look at some of her predictions, she was way off in left field. She really was. But the reality is, because she made one right prediction, and I think it was about Robert Kennedy and where he was going to die, because of that one prediction, everyone thinks, oh, she is just someone great. She's not. You know, let's put it this way. Everything that Daniel wrote down, everything that Daniel records, was from God, and so because God opened his understanding and allowed him to record it, there was a great understanding. Here's another thing that we look at. So when you see number three, which is now speaking of the leopard, and notice it's got four wings, this is the Grecian Empire. Do you realize that Daniel never saw the Grecian Empire come into place? Daniel died, and 300 years later, excuse me, let me me quote and redo that. He died around 539 B.C., or as we know it, B.C. Around 339 BC is when the Grecian powers came into place. So when you take a look at this, you see that this was going to be something that was, you know, beyond our expectation. This was something that, yeah, you know, Greece was a power. Yes, Greece was formidable, but he never did understand completely about Alexander the Great. So we're going to get into a little bit later on today, the Lord's willing. We're going to get into chapter 8 where we begin to see the Grecian empire is given us a lot more understanding and how that, there was going to be an overcoming. Reality is, for a moment, where you see the bear and you see the ribs in the mouth of the bear, do you realize that the Med persian empire lasted several hundred years? It was really something that was, they were powerful. Uh, in fact, it was during the Med persian Empire that we began to see Israel in its restoration. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, and let's go to chapter 1. Oh, let me get over here ahead of you all. There we go. I'm in Nehemiah, and now my pages are sticking. So in Nehemiah, I want you to see what it says in regards to what uh, we begin to see in all the attributes. Okay, let's go down to verse 4. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned, and certain days and fasted and prayed before God of heaven, and said... I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, the keeper of covenant mercy for them that love him, and observe his commandment, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I prayed before thee day and night for the children of Israel thy servant, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against the Lord, both I and my father's house have sinned. Now let's go to verse one of chapter two. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, which is the beginning of the year, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes, the king, by the way, Artaxerxes was a minor king in the time of the Mede Persians, that wine was, that wine was before him, and I took the wine and gave it, to the, uh, it unto the king. Now I had not before time been sad in his presence, wherefore the king said to me, why Said, and sad, seeing thou there's nothing else but salt? And I said to the king, "Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the palace of my father, lies in waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire?" So it was already the Persian time, not the Babylonian time that Jerusalem would be restored and Israel would begin to have its place. Everybody get that? So, here's the thing. I, I love that I, I wish I could explain this with such clarity that everybody would get it. The Bible is very, very connected. It's very fluid. So everything that we see, the promises that were made to, uh, in, in the book of Isaiah, the promises made to Jeremiah, everything that is there is for us to go back and then look at it from the Scripture point. May I put this out to you? Ezra and Nehemiah lived about the same time. You know, Ezra seems to be a little bit older. And he had started the temple. But do you realize that when Nehemiah came on the scene, the temple had not been finished? Go back and read Nehemiah. And he chewed out everything. Now, come on, folks. That, that really tells me something. Here's something else that's amazing. Now, think about this with me, all right? Everybody with me? Do you realize that when Moses brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, God had promised them a place where they would receive gardens they had not planted, they would inherit houses that they had not built. They would have possessions that was ready for them. Now that's that was number one. Number two, then it was laid upon the heart of Solomon, because of his father, and so on and so forth, to build the temple of God. And there was great glory, and that's where we get Second Chronicles chapter seven, where if my people will hear, you know, if my peop- if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray then the reality is God will listen to our prayers and he will heal the land and he will resurrect them. That we also see. But well, watch this. Do you realize in Nehemiah and in the time of Ezra, there was no such promise? Now, come on, stay with me a minute. Do you realize that when Ezra came in, it was laid upon his heart to go back and rebuild the temple. There was nothing there. Just old stones scattered everywhere. And you remember the results when they laid the foundation stones? The people began to cry and rejoice at the same time. When Nehemiah came on the scene, what we just read, he was also broken hearted because there was no walls around Jerusalem. And what did he say to the king? It's on my heart to go back and rebuild. There was no houses. This is the thing that really amazes me. In fact, and I've already lost my place here, but let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 11. I want you to see this. Man, this is one verse that we're going to read two verses, verse 1 and 2. And I want you to get the entire context of what Nehemiah said after the walls had been built. And it says in verse one, and the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem, and the rest of the people were also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem. Now get this for a moment. There were many people that came to rebuild Jerusalem, but when it was all finished, only one in ten could inhabit Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? Look what else it says. The holy city. And nine parts to dwell in other cities. That means they had to go build other cities that had also been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar many years before. And the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves. And I want to look at this. That means that you're going to go into Jerusalem. You're going to offer yourself to be a part of, of, of God's plan. And so they, they offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. Now that is an amazing passage of Scripture. That also So when we take a look at the Persians and then given over to Greece, Greece had never happened at all yet. In fact, Greece was known as a power. How many of us have ever heard of the uh, the 300? You know, you probably have heard how that 300 men withstood uh, the great attacks that were going to go against them, but they withstood them until they were literally um, ousted out by someone else giving the information. It gets pretty noisy in here, doesn't it? Well, the reality is, thank you, one of the things that they looked at was how do we bring this message across so that everybody understands? Well, the understanding was that there was this great power, that they they uh, had all of these things that were going on. Athens was a, a state that they literally looked for intelligence. Sparta was a place where they looked for power and strength, and, you know, they, they worshipped that as well. And as so when we take a look at Greece, we begin to see it rising up, but it never became the great power until a man called Philip II. And Philip II was one that he had created an ancient army, older men, and they became a part of Alexander the Great's army, and so when we finally get to this place, go ahead, Brother Joe, if you will, and we'll uh, go forward just a little bit. I want you to see this. Uh, we'll go ahead one more image. We'll come back to that one. This is the image we see. Now, this is in Daniel chapter 8. I want you to see this as well. So let's read Daniel chapter 8, and we'll get started with Daniel chapter 8 come back to chapter 7 in a moment. So in the third year of the reign of King or this again is the same king that we saw over in chapter 5 a vision appeared to me even unto me Daniel after that which was appeared unto me at the first and I saw in a vision and it came to pass when I saw that I was in in the palace which is in the providence of Elam and I saw in a vision and I was by the river of Uliai. Or la, or you la, I. Now I put this note in the in the back. So if you want copies of these notes, you can do so as well. Then I lifted up my eyes and and saw. So, and the two. Okay,
1: and the higher.
0: This is the power of you know the Medes Persians and things that were going on. And as I was considering, behold, an he goat, here comes a second goat. See this one right here? A second goat. Came from the west and on the face of the whole earth and he touched off the ground and the goat had a beautiful Now what's interesting is many people want to say that uh, Alexander the Great had a knob on his head that looked like a horn. I don't know. I wasn't there, I, you know, so I have to believe what historians tell me. And it came to pass to the ram that the two that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with horns, and there was no power. And the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could be delivered the ram out of his hand. Therefore, he was, uh, the, therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and it came uh, and, and for it came upon four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of them came forth a little horn, which waxed a city great toward the south, and toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heavens, and it cast down some of the hosts of the stars to the ground, and stamped upon them. Yet he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the palace of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice, by reason of transgressions, and it came, cast down the truth to the ground and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking and another saint said unto the certain saint which spake, How long shall the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression and tra- desolation to give both the sanctuary and to the host trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days and, it shall be, and the sanctuary shall be clean. And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for meaning, then behold, man. now I want you to get this. Please read this again. In the book of Daniel, Daniel saw these things, but he didn't understand it. How many of us remember when the apostles approached the Lord When the Lord allowed them to hear the parable that he spoke to other people and he walked away. And later on he explained the parable. And he said to them, it is not for them to understand it, it's for you. There are certain things that God will show us and make it explainly clear. Look what else it says. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uliah, which called, and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. Now, here's the thing that really amazed me. As I'm studying this, I didn't understand also 1 through 14. It's very hard to understand it as it is written. But when God wants us to know something with clarity and to see it perfectly, then there will be the explanation. And the reality is is that at that very moment, the angel Gabriel, who is the messenger sent from God, is going to give Daniel the clarity that he needs to understand everything that's going on. There wasn't an empire like this empire. So Daniel is getting ready to write this down, though he has no... How many of us believe in the coming of the Lord? Now, how many of us have seen the coming of the Lord? All the things that we have is what's written in Scripture, and if we believe the Scripture, then we we expect it's going to happen, right? Nod your heads up and down. But until it happens, we don't understand that it could happen at any moment.
1: We know, but the
0: reality is, we still don't understand it completely. Now, we're going to get that in the second message today when we talk about the, the whole aspect of our lives and what we should be doing. But the reality is, is that Gabriel, look what it says in verse 17.
1: So he came near, and when he came, I was afraid, and I thought,
0: No. This is about when it occurs, when the time approaches. There's an there's a interesting passage, we'll look at this in Galatians chapter 4, when the fullness of time. That's what this means. When that fullness of time occurs, then these things are going to start coming to pass. They have already come to pass. This is before the Lord was going to be born. Now as he was speaking with me, I was in deep sleep on my face toward the ground, but he touched me and set me upright. You know what the reason is? I want you to pay attention. (laughs) How many times have we? Have I been in school? And somebody been sitting there? They got the drool coming out of their face, and they're laying on their their desktop, and they're not paying any attention. You want to go up, and you want to give them the right fist of fellowship, and you want them to wake up so they will pay attention because you're getting ready to cover something very important. When I was a teacher many years ago, I would always have a student call in and say, "Are we going to cover anything important?" And I mean, I was teaching adults, and I said, "Oh no, we do important I said, and the, inevitably they would not come to school while we were covering something, and then they would come back in and want to slow down the entire class because they were, they missed something important. Reality is this. This is going to take great attention, and this is what Gabriel is doing to Daniel. He says, Listen to me, Daniel. And he said, Behold,
1: Exactly what we're going to do. And the real book the of And the great.
0: Greece. But it became Alexander the Great who did wonderful things. See, matter of fact, he destroyed wonderfully. How many of us have ever heard of Tyre and the prophecies against Tyre? Tyre was a city that had an inland city and it had an island city. And the island city was whenever the city, man, they would rush out to the island city and they would continue on. And then they would scoff at the king saying, Ha, 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 ha you can't reach us now. Well, Alexander the Great had determined that he was going to go destroy that city to where the stones would be used as drying places for the nets of fishermen and as he reached out to there he decided that they was going to build a causeway all the way out to the island that causeway is still in existence and so what he did is he took the rope the city that he that was inland
1: and began to push that road out and the people that
0: Now, who are you going to shoot at? Are you going to shoot at your relatives? Are you going to are you going to literally start bow and arrowing them, knowing that you're going to save yourselves for a short period of time? But the reality is, they're going to get you sooner or later. And eventually, they were they had built a causeway up where that Alexander could wheel out his great armaments and take that city also that was out on that island. That's a true ab- absolute story. Here's something else that's interesting. Israel was going to be defeated until they showed the prophecy of Cyrus to the people. To the king Cyrus, they showed the prophecies that were written in their scripture, and he was mentioned by name, and because of that, he left them alone. It's amazing. Go back and read the history of it all. Well, let's go on back. In verse 22 it says, Now, that being we're of that single horn that is there. When he died, his, all of his conquering lands would be broken up with his four generals. If you will, Brother Joe, go back to uh, four. slot the couple of slides ago where we had this. All right, Brother Just, one more. Right there. Take a look at number three. You see the leopard. You see the leopard skin. You see the leopard that is there. You see the wings, the four different wings. And literally, it had four heads, which meant after Alexander the Great, the Greeks would have four. Why the leopard skin? This is why the next image is there. Go ahead and take a look at the next slide forward. This is the image of Alexander the Great on his horse that he went conquering. What do we see wrapped around that horse? The leopard, a real leopard that he had killed was now on this horse and it would go forward into battle the, the strength of the leopard was an image that was there in fact his elite army also wore leopard a leopard skin upon their own bodies you know so people were afraid of the advancing Greek army and quite literally I want you to get this this is something that's that really amazed me as I studied history about it. When uh, the Mede Persians heard all that Alexander was doing, they just said, well, good luck trying to cross the desert. We'll see you coming if you come up around the Horn, around the Great Crescent. We'll know that you're coming. But Alexander fooled them and that he went across the desert plains and came in from the south into the Mede Persians. And when they, when they finally realized that it was his great army that had pressed in across the deserts into that, it was too late for the Mid Persians. When it says that his feet had not even touched the ground, it was as though prophecy had come to place amazing area. Let's go on to, let's finish reading, shall we? In verse 23 it says, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark senses shall stand up. This is still going to, this is not only what we see back then, but what's going to occur in the future. And his power shall be mighty, but not his own power, and he shall destroy
1: and shall prosper the
0: mighty and the holy people. Now, there's much more for us to understand as we get into that. All right. So what we've looked at is so far we have talked about the, the kings that are going to come into place. We haven't even got to the Roman Empire. And so I want us to go back, if you will, uh, to the slide before this one, if you will, Brother Joe, And in verse 15 of chapter 7, it says this, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body, and in the visions my head troubled me. And I came near unto one of them that stood by me, or stood by, and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me, and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, and four kings, shall rise out of the earth, But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. Now here comes that fourth beast. That terrible beast. You know, again, these are just artist depictions. We don't know what the beast looked like that he saw. Uh, If you notice, that looks like a dinosaur. But there was something that was there. But notice what it says. And I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass, which devour and break pieces, and stamp the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and other which came up, and before whom three fell, even that horn that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellow's. I want you to understand verse 20. We haven't even gotten to that point. But reality is, that great beast that is there is still in existence today. It may be dormant, but it's still in existence. This is not only the Roman Empire, but the religion surrounding the Roman Empire. Now, may I point this out to you? If you go to Italy, and I've been to Rome a couple of times, Actually, I've been to Rome one time, but it made such a lasting uh, depiction on me, I could not forget it. I've been to other parts of Rome, and I want to end today by giving you a little history of Rome. During the days of Daniel, Rome existed. It started around 753 B.C., or as we know, B.C. So it existed, and it was supposedly by Romulus and Remus that that city began to come into place. Well, the the tradition is that these two twin brothers were raised by wolves. Okay? So much for that. And so for that reason, if you ever go into certain cities of Rome, and I remember that uh, one day I told Joseph, I said, keep your eyes open because you're going to see more paganism you've ever seen in your life. And as we walked around, you know, Verona, I think it was, we saw an image, a placard, and it was a placard that was addressed to Romulus and Remus. And there was the wolf that had given feed or who had given her milk for them. And I said, that's where paganism begins. And literally everywhere we went in Rome, we could see the paganism of that entire venture around about us it it was amazing to me well as i began to to tell joseph more about it it was one to where i could see more and more of the imagery that had been cast aside may i point this out to you if you ever go to florence there's a there's a beautiful church building The, the wooden sculpture is amazing and literally you had 12 statues that surround the door. Originally, those statues were pagan gods. Are we ready for this? But after the crucifixion of Jesus, they suddenly became the Twelve Disciples. How many of us ever wondered about this paganism? We're going to get into the number 10 and how it affects what Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 8. We'll pick up there next week, Lord's willing, and we'll, we'll see what we know more about the upcoming things of God. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer, and then we'll get ready for our morning worship. Father, again, thank you for your blessings, and I pray now that you will guide us and bless and keep. Thank you again for your studies. May these things be ever upon our minds and upon our hearts as we look for your coming and your return. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We're dismissed.